What's going on, guys? Welcome back to One Stop Shop. Let's get right into the news. How we doing, guys? Welcome back. I know it's later in the week than we would normally get an episode, but just dealing with some stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're here now. So, last night there was some solid basketball on. The Bucks took on the Celtics. They won 121-119. to But the... The main story of the night, obviously for New York sports fan and basketball fans around the league, the Utah Jazz eviscerated the Brooklyn Nets last night, 118-88. to Absolutely dismantling the team without having all three of their superstars and Blake Griffin, but, you know... <clears throat> Last night, one of the uh, contributors from their G League team, Alizé Johnson, dropped 23 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists, stepping in for a bunch of the uh, players that were not available to play last night. Yeah, the Nets just couldn't get it going last night. Obviously, they didn't have James Harden or Kyrie and KD still out with an injury. So, the Nets were down nearly by 40 points at one point in this game. And it was not the usual Nets basketball that we've been accustomed to seeing. And obviously, injuries and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, the Nets just couldn't get it done. But last night, off the bench for the Nets, like I said, Alize Johnson, 23 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists. He's a young player who basically made his name in the G League for the Nets and other teams, and he's honestly a great player for them while they have a lot of injuries going on. Last night, Nick Claxton, he couldn't really get it going, four points off the bench. DeAndre Jordan, four points. And James Harden didn't play because of a neck injury last night. For the top-seeded Western Conference, Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, 27 points last night, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal in 27 minutes, knocked down 5 three-pointers on 8 attempts. Mike Conley, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. And, uh... Rudy Gobert, eight points. Bogdan. I mean, Boban. Bojan Bogdanovich. Sorry. It's not the easiest name to fucking say. <laughs> he had 18 points last night. Three rebounds, three assists. And, yeah. George Niang, 15 points off the bench for the Jazz, and the Jazz basically went deep last night because they were fucking destroying the Nets. 
And it's not like the Nets really have a lot to worry about. Obviously, they're going to get their group back when they get Kyrie and James Harden back, and hopefully they get KD back soon. And you can't rush a guy like KD, especially after he's had a year prior of a layoff because of an injury, and you don't want KD to get hurt further. So... That's that. The Nets are 30 and 15 on the season. The Jazz are 32 and 11 on the season. These are two of the top teams in all the NBA at the moment. <clears throat> and uh, the Jazz basically proved that they're a title contender this year. <sighs> and it's kind of crazy because in the Western Conference, obviously, you got the Clippers and then you got the Lakers. And the Lakers aren't healthy at the moment <clears throat> without having LeBron NAD healthy with LeBron potentially missing the rest of the regular season and out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Who knows how the Lakers are going to end the season. Obviously, the Clippers are right there. Kind of. Now they're... <laughs> now they're a half game in front of the Lakers, actually. <clears throat> They've been capitalizing on the fact that the Lakers had not had their full roster for some time now. And the Clippers dominated the Spurs last night for their fourth straight victory. They won 134 to 101. Kawhi, 25 points last night. Seven rebounds, three assists, five steals. Wow. Paul George, 17 points last night, over six from three point range. Six rebounds, four assists, one steal. Zubak. 14 points last night, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. And Marcus Morris, 20 points, 4 rebounds last night. Tamar DeRozan for the Spurs, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. <clears throat> And yeah, the Clippers are obviously going to be one of those teams, man. And there's been rumors that Kyle Lowry could potentially be going to the Clippers and reunite with Kawhi. So if Kawhi does get a point guard like Kyle Lowry, whom they won a championship together, so they won together, so they obviously have that built-in chemistry. And if you add a player like that to the Clippers, they're only going to get better at this point in the season. And obviously, they're fighting for the top seed. And it's very possible that they could get there.
Right now in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz are in first by three games on the Suns, and then the Clippers are a game behind the Suns, and then the Lakers are a half game behind the Clippers for the fourth spot. The Denver Nuggets are two games behind the Lakers, then the Portland Trailblazers half game behind them in sixth. The Dallas Mavericks have now inserted themselves into the playoff race in seventh place. Half game behind Portland for the seventh spot in the West. And the San Antonio Spurs are half game behind them in eighth in the West. And the teams that are outside of the playoff picture directly, the Memphis Grizzlies are a game out of the eighth spot right behind the San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs have another game played on them, so... The Grizzlies could potentially edge them out at the end of the season if they keep winning. <clears throat> and they're on a three-game win streak at the moment, so they need to keep winning. John Morant, one of my favorite players in the league. He's been doing his thing this year, and yeah, he's always an exciting player to watch. One of my top favorite young players in the league. And then the Golden State Warriors are in 10th place, and they're in 10 and a half out of the top spot <laughs> and their half game behind the Grizzlies. In the Eastern Conference, I'm just going to run it down. Sixers have a one-and-a-half game lead over the Bucks, and the Nets are tied with the Bucks. The Hornets are in fourth place. That's fucking crazy. And this is such a really close race in the Eastern Conference because literally after the Hornets, it's a half game tie between three teams, the Miami Heat, the Knicks, and the Hawks, basically, fifth place. They're all nine games back. All 22 and 22 on the season. And, yeah, this basically uh, a couple games right here can make or break the team's playoff seed, essentially. So, the Celtics are in eighth place, and that's only a game between four teams. It's fucking crazy. Knicks are in sixth right now, but if they win and the Heat lose, they'll have a game on them. So they would move into fifth. We really need a fucking win tonight against the Wizards. Obviously, we just beat them the other night, but that was a really close game. And, yeah, the Knicks need to keep the momentum going. And, obviously, it's the trade deadline, and who knows if the Knicks are going to try to make any moves. There's been some rumors that Bradley Beal is potentially uh, – possible trade between the uh, Wizards and the Knicks could happen and I don't think that it's going to happen though but you know as a Knicks fan you just got to hope that due to the Knicks fucking winning a significant amount of the games this year and being a lot better than how a lot of people expected them to be at the beginning of the season. We can only hope that we'll get free agents to come to the Knicks in the future. 
obviously with Leon Rose in the front office, he has a lot of connections throughout the league, and hopefully we can land a top name in the future. And <clears throat> yeah, but the, the Knicks have honestly been such a breath of fresh air this year. Like we're used to as Knicks fans, the Knicks just fucking being horrible all the time, and obviously having Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett's been playing great this year. He's been playing a lot better than he was as a rookie, and he's really been coming to his own this year. He's been shooting a lot better and developing his game. <clears throat> Emmanuel quickly, obviously, the story of the season. Our rookie out of Kentucky, he is honestly something else when he is given the amount of playing time that he deserves, and he deserves to be a starter at this point for us because he's able to take the game into his own hands. And he basically plays with an abandoned spirit. And he fucking just goes out there and he fucking puts in work. And he'll spot up from three, five feet from behind the line. He'll try to knock it down. Most of the time he fucking hits the big shot. And his floater is one of the most electric things that we got going for us right now. Because he can virtually hit it wherever on the court. (sighs) But I digress. That's enough basketball talk for one day. And, uh, yeah, to change the topic a little bit, I never thought we'd see the day. New York lawmakers reach a deal to legalize recreational marijuana. Oh, my God. I was having this conversation with my dad yesterday, and... It's honestly such a progressive move by the New York state government. Obviously, they need to make up a lot of revenue in the state and hopefully by creating tax with cannabis and stuff like that, it will allow the state to return to a promising economic standpoint that we had prior. And it's only just another revenue source for the government and the state government, so hopefully um, in the next round of voting, this gets voted into the laws of New York State, and we'll have recreational marijuana for those 21 and older, and decriminalized possession of limited amounts, just like New Jersey, and yeah. It'll allow people to grow up until a certain point and stuff like that. And it's only going to make New York a destination for tourists again and try to get the uh, energy back into the city, obviously, that's been lost over the last year because of COVID and shit like that. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. If you know me, you know I'm for this, and a lot of people that I know definitely for this. So, big ups to New York State for uh, finally fucking doing this. I lived in Boston, and obviously uh, living there for a year, I was able to experience some of the lax laws that existed, and having dispensaries are definitely uh, one of the coolest things that you can fucking appreciate as a citizen. And... Having a regulated form is definitely going to be a positive thing for 
<clears throat> people that need an escape and are looking for a alternative to a prescription pain medication like myself. And that's the reason why I use cannabis. And I'm an advocate for that, definitely in my own right. Obviously not on the largest scale, but like having dealt with anxiety and stuff like that, marijuana has definitely been the alternative choice for myself when trying to relax and stuff like that. And it's only helped me. And one of the main reasons why I'm such an advocate for plant-based medicine, psilocybin, stuff like that, like, I definitely use that stuff to better my own life and gain a better perspective on myself and decrease the amount of anxiety that existed in myself after I lost my mother about five years ago. And yeah, being able to have your own choices is a civil liberty and should be able to be a civil liberty for many reasons. And being able to choose what you put inside your own body to create a better sense of enjoyment of your own life and your living quality is something that is greatly appreciated. And I am looking forward to seeing how this progresses. Obviously, it has to be signed into effect later on this year, but such a big step in the right direction. Like I said, when I lost my mom, like they gave me anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants, stuff like that, Lexapro, Klonopin, which is basically like Xanax in an instant form, kind of. That's what they gave me. Fucking made me feel like I was not myself. And cannabis is literally, I don't want to sound over dramatic, but it's fucking saved my life. And I honestly don't know if I would be able to coexist in this world without it due to the factors that I've been put up against in my life, having to deal with loss and anxiety and making my own decisions of not taking prescription pain pills and numbing the pain completely. And I'm a very coherent person and I really appreciate plant medicine just because I don't want to ruin my body long term and damage the potential that I have for this world. And I'm looking forward to so many opportunities in the coming future. And I'm just looking forward to getting on with the rest of my life, you know? I'm sure we all are. All right, well, that was something that I needed to discuss. And, uh, yeah, so moving on from that, today is one of the, uh, 
better collapse of the Supreme season. We got the Supreme North Face collab today. Obviously, they're releasing some Nupsy jackets, Nupsy vests, and that's essentially their uh, most popular jacket they make in collaboration with Supreme always. They have three different colors that they're releasing, black, red, and blue, in a studded type print. I'm not going for that today. They were also releasing an all-over print, basically, of a mountain climber on a t-shirt and a hoodie. I'm probably just going for the t-shirt, honestly. We'll see how it goes. And <laughs> hopefully we could actually get something this week. I've honestly had really bad luck this season so far with Supreme. And obviously the hype's there for it again, and they've been doing constant collabs with Nike and the Dunks and stuff like that. And the Hysteric Glamour was a pretty solid collab also. I didn't go for anything for that. I just was trying to save that week. And, uh, yeah. But this week we're back with fucking Supreme. And hopefully we can get that t-shirt. I'm honestly not going to be too upset if I don't, but like trying to get back to the swing of things with Cop and Supreme. And, uh, yeah, the jackets are nothing affordable. <laughs> $398 for the Nupsy jacket, and then they have a mountain jacket, $388 plus tax, and that's like 420 ish Who the fuck knows? Then the vest, 248 in the same colors and patterns. Then they're releasing a Arabic-themed uh, soccer jersey, which is actually pretty fire. Their jerseys always do pretty well. And then also from the North Face collab, they're releasing a duffel bag for $168. And then a blanket basically in the same material as the jacket, which is probably for camping, $298. Jesus Christ. If you're paying $298 for a fucking North Face Supreme blanket, you better be going to fucking Antarctica or, like, Mount Kilimanjaro or fucking something. Alright? <laughs> like, if you're just fucking buying that to put on your bed, I don't fucking know you. I don't know you. And then they're also releasing, like, these slipper fucking things. They call them uh, Traction Mules. They're going for $98 in the same colors, black, red, and blue. <clears throat> Yeah, big collab from North Face and Supreme. It's always something that will resell very well. And yeah, like I said, I'm going for the Ice Climb tee. And they're also releasing the Ice Climb hooded sweatshirt with an all-over print on it. And it's pretty fire. But uh, going for the t-shirt, it's just less money. 54, uh, 78 retail, actually. Shit. They fucking lied on Supreme Community. Thanks, Drops by Jay, you fucking motherfucker. Making me spend more money, huh? Uh, anyway, they're also releasing a uh, reusable Supreme Yashica camera. It's essentially like, almost like a disposable camera, but essentially it's reusable that's on film. And uh, 
Yeah, $68 for this fucking thing? Yeah, I will pass. Even though that is a pretty cool fucking item. Don't got the money to be fucking just blowing on that shit, so. Yeah. That's pretty, man. And, uh, yeah, Palace drops every Friday. They've been dropping some low-key stuff. As of late, haven't really been copping too much from them. Just probably a hat here or there. And, uh, yeah, looking for the next big collaboration between them. Obviously, the last one was the Adidas collab. Picked up some stuff from that. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what the next Kith drop is. And, yeah. So, guys, this weekend is UFC 260. And I cannot be more excited to watch this. Sean O'Malley making his return. Sugar, one of my favorite fighters for many reasons. I watch his podcast. He's a very down-to-earth guy. I kind of see a lot of myself in him. He's a young dude. And he's one of my favorite fighters. He's one of the best strikers in all of UFC. He doesn't get the fucking credit that he deserves. He's going up against Thomas Almeida, who is one of the better kickboxers in UFC. He's coming off a three-fight losing streak at this point, and he's still pretty much one of the more talented guys that they could throw at Sean O'Malley. Obviously, he's trying to climb the ranks, and he's basically undefeated. He's mentally undefeated, which is a good thing to be in many regards because, like, he doesn't... um, basically take into account that Cheeto, Marlon Vera, actually beat him when he basically stopped him earlier on last year and basically beat him because of a a kick to his nerve in his leg and basically made Sean fall down, and that was the end of the fight. So, one, I would love to see them run that back. I was listening to a lot of his interviews throughout the week from Sean O'Malley, and he basically said that he tried to lobby for that rematch with Cheeto, and apparently Cheeto said that um, you couldn't pay me enough to fight Sean O'Malley, so who knows how true that is, but, you know, he is a dangerous opponent for anybody, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this card on Saturday. And then we got, on the prelims, we got Shane Young, who is a training partner of Israel Adesanya, also city kickboxing. He's fighting on the prelims. And, uh, yeah, we got Tyron Woodley facing Vicente Luque. In the co-main event, obviously the co-main event was supposed to be Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega, but that got axed. Unfortunate for Volkanovski, especially because he's coming from, I believe, Australia. Yeah, he's from Australia. So, basically, it's a lot harder for any of those fighters from that side of the world to uh, 
basically uh, reschedule their fights because, like, they have to go back and then quarantine. And then, like, it's probably not going to be anytime soon that it gets rescheduled because of uh, the travel for Volkanovski. And, yeah, he tests positive for COVID, so who knows how long he's going to need to recover from that. And, uh... Oh, shit. I'm reading this right now that Shane Young got fucking pulled out of his fight, too, because he was in contact with Volkanovski because they're fucking teammates. Oh, man. City kickboxing can't get a fucking break. I was looking forward to Brad Riddell last week getting pulled out of the fucking co-main against Gregory Gillespie, and that didn't happen either. It fucking... Oh, man. Like... Like I said, these guys can't get a fucking break. And, like, especially they're coming from a part of the world where a lot of COVID basically didn't exist for a long time. And now it's starting to fucking pop back up. And it's costing these guys their fights. Feel bad for them. <sighs> Fuck. That sucks. Uh, obviously, the main event for the heavyweight championship of the world, Stipe Miocic facing Francis Ngannou for the second time in their careers. Obviously fighting each other a couple of years ago and Stipe getting the unanimous decision victory. And who knows how this fight is going to go. This could go multiple ways. Obviously, Francis Ngannou has the insane power behind him. He's one of the best athletes I've fucking like ever seen. Especially in combat sports, he's an insane physical specimen. Francis Ngannou is six foot four, two hundred sixty-one pounds. He's outweighing Stipe immensely in this. Stipe's weighing in at two thirty-three. It says right here, and Francis has a three-inch reach on him. And yeah. This is going to be a fucking crazy fight. Obviously, it's a rematch, and Stipe is one of the goats of the sport and doesn't get the respect that he quite deserves. He gets overlooked a lot, and he's always the underdog for some reason. Francis is a slight favorite in this by a little bit. He's minus 125. Stipe is plus 105 in this. I honestly, oh man, I I don't want to root against Stipe, but I am a huge fucking Francis Ngannou fan. I hope he gets the job done. We'll just have to wait and see, guys. Uh, man. So, some other fights that got announced recently for UFC. Hamza Chimaev, who previously um, basically said that he was going to have to retire because he had so much damage done to him and his lungs from getting COVID multiple times and wasn't having the uh, proper attention that he fucking needed. He got help, and now he's getting better. And... uh, he wrote on 
social media the other day. He said, surprise, surprise, I'm coming back to smash everybody. So looking forward to seeing Hamza Chimaev return. It says hopefully in July against Neil Magny, who is a great fight for him. That's going to be an exciting fight. Obviously, Neil Magny coming off loss to Michael Chiesa about a month ago at this point uh, in January. Um, yeah, so really looking forward to seeing Hamza get back. He was on the rise last year, and no one really wants to fight this guy. He's one of the craziest guys. He's Chechnyan from Russia, and uh, he's going to be one of the fucking top guys if he could get his health under control and he's able to uh, basically combat the adversity that he was under and yeah so this is kind of a different topic to switch it up Uh, Moving on to some celebrity boxing news, or boxing news, whatever. Uh, Remember how I mentioned that Antonio Tarver, former world champion boxer, was going to fight Frank Mir, former UFC fighter, former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir? They were supposed to fight on the Jake Paul Ben Askren undercard, and apparently Antonio Tarver is 52 years old, and he did not meet the requirements to compete. Um in front of the uh, Georgia Athletic and Entertainment Commission. So, there is a new opponent for Frank Mir, former IBF Cruiserweight champion Steve Cunningham, but that fight is pending. Medicals being submitted. Um, Yeah, Frank Mir's team confirmed Cunningham is the proposed replacement for that. Oh, man, I can't wait to see the Jake Paul fucking fight, man. Ben Askren, obviously one of the best grapplers in the world, the best wrestlers, former Olympian, former champion in 1FC in Bellator. And I'm really interested to seeing how Jake Paul is able to set up a game plan for Ben Askren, even though that Ben's not the best boxer, you know. He's a wrestler. And, yeah. Look forward to seeing that. It's going to be fucking crazy. It's definitely going to break the internet if... Either way, I feel like. (laughs) Like, Jake Paul, if he got knocked out by Ben Askren, or if he loses to Ben Askren via a decision, who the fuck knows what the hell he's going to do. But, you know, it's entertainment at the end of the day, but it is a fucking fight game. So, I don't want to see fucking a shit show. I want to see a fucking fight, and obviously Jake is the fucking boxer in this, and he's been training for fucking years at this point. So, I'm not going to doubt Jake Paul. And I've honestly never seen Ben Askren fucking use his striking skills like in a fight really he kind of just like evades his opponents by getting them to the ground and basically tying them up and not letting them get back up so you can't do that in fucking boxing so 
interested to see how that plays out. All right. So moving on to NCAA March Madness. Obviously, we're in the Sweet 16 now, and I'll just run through the games real quick. Obviously, my bracket's been busted along with everyone else in this fucking country. (laughs) But these are the games that are happening this weekend. They're all happening on Saturday and Sunday. Oregon State taking on the 8th seeded Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago Sister Jeans <laughs> taking on Oregon State, who beat one of my favorite teams in the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I was really hoping that they would get far, but they didn't. Kay Cunningham, obviously, he's going to be one of the top picks in the draft coming out this year. He was really fun to watch this season as a true freshman. So, looking forward to seeing him at the next level. But uh, Oregon State facing Loyola Chicago Saturday to 40 p.m. to start off the games. Then Villanova facing the number one seeded Baylor at 515 on CBS. And then... Number three ranked Arkansas facing the 15 seed Oral Roberts, who has been one of the biggest surprises of this whole entire tournament, obviously beating Ohio State and Florida. I was beside myself when that happened both fucking times. They ruined my bracket, and I had Florida going pretty far. So thanks a lot, Oral Roberts. You guys suck. No pun intended. Ha, ha, ha. And then the last game, Buddy Buckets leading the charge for the 11th-seeded Syracuse Orange. Then against number two, Houston Cougars at 9.55 on TBS. And it's honestly insane. Buddy Bayheim has been one of the fucking – best scorers of this whole entire tournament and he's leading the way for the Syracuse Orange and then we also got a solid performance this postseason in the tournament from Joseph Girard the third he's been shooting pretty well and he's been playing pretty well for the freaking Orange during this run in the tournament and Syracuse has been one of those teams that I've always had a respect for Jim Beheim is one of the best coaches of all time and yeah for him to lead an 11th seeded team against the rest of the field like they're doing pretty well and they made it to the sweet 16 so who knows if Syracuse can make it to the uh, final four, but definitely at this point, rooting for Syracuse to make it there. And uh, yeah, I'm rooting for Loyola, Chicago, Baylor, and uh, Arkansas, and Syracuse this weekend. Not that it matters, but you know, for Baylor, they basically have a clone of Dominic, uh, Dominic, 
Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> uh, Davion Mitchell, guard for the Baylor Bears. He wears number 45, and he looks like he's a fucking clone of Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> there was some chatter on social media after he was going off in these games. And, yeah, people were basically saying, like, damn, I didn't know Donovan Mitchell fucking played for the Baylor Bears. And he was like, yeah, I got two years left of eligibility. <laughs> clowning everybody. I honestly thought that they might have been related because, like, he wore 45, but there's no relation. Just another savage. And he's going to be a top pick in the draft. And, yeah. That's that. A little football news. Obviously, the Giants signed the Dory Jackson to a three-year contract, just solidifying our defense even further as a top threat in the NFC. And, yeah, the Giants have been doing a great job this offseason, obviously, with the addition of Kenny Galladay and... John Ross, Kyle Rudolph, and uh, yeah, the Giants have made pretty solid moves in this offseason, and looking forward to finally getting back to football with the draft and seeing how the Giants draft, and obviously we have the 11th pick, and who knows how they're going to use that if they're going to try to trade pick or if they're going to take a wide receiver that we're hoping in Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or someone like that if they fall to the Giants but you know that's all I got for you guys and I hope you guys have a good day and this has been an episode of One Stop Shop I'll see you guys soon peace out